Amen. Good morning, LMCC. So today we are going to be reading from Joshua 5.13 to Joshua 6.15. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? Or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does the Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet... Then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpet ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward. March around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear God was walking after the ark, while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth, until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the ark of the Lord walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. 
So they did for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The story of Jericho and Joshua's victory is a powerful story. But as I wrestle with it, I just believe it's not just a story from the past, but I think it has power in this moment for us as a church, but really for any of you who are watching, that God has a message for you today. And so I just want to pray that God's message gets delivered directly to you. So please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is eternal, it is everlasting. It is powerful, and God, we need it today. We need it in so many unique ways that the people that are hearing your message today, you know what they need, you know precisely how you want to provide it, and I just ask that by the power of your Spirit that you would fill their homes and fill their lives. So take these words, let them be yours, and let them be filled with your power. I pray this in Christ's name, amen. The Lord has a game plan for victory for every single battle that you are facing in this life. That's the core of the message that God has for you today, that he sees the battles you're fighting, he knows how victory will be won, and he wants to direct you to win. See, as we are walking through this courageous sermon series This time of preparation is to get us ready, to be a people that will choose to move from quarantine, to be commissioned, and to walk according to God's plans, because that's where victory is found. That's really what I want to talk about today, because as I've wrestled with this passage and as I've prayed with God, I really get the sense that what the world is desperate for, what we're constantly looking for, are more Joshua's. That we are looking for people that will see the promises of God, see how they don't line up with the problems we're facing, and then make a plan to fight until it is fixed and it is fully theirs. That's what we want. We look forward in our politicians hoping that they will see the problems that we're facing and they will map out plans for us. We look for it in the journalists that we read to be able to articulate to us what is true and good and how are we going to accomplish and overcome. We look for it in one another. Inside of our community and friendships and family, we look for the person that will stand up and say, I see the problem and I will do whatever it takes for the problem to move into the promises of God. And what I felt like God was trying to say to you and I today is it's our turn. It's our turn. That God is asking each and every one of us to be Joshua. To be the people that would believe that his victory is possible and that he could choose us to achieve it. And that there is a path for us to follow. That we could be as courageous as Joshua. And that we could see victories like Jericho. We could see them in our lives personally and privately, but we could also see them publicly in our world. 
See, I know that there are many of you that are fighting a variety of battles right now. COVID-19 seems to have attacked every weak spot in our lives to really challenge us to see how we have been fighting and if we are actually walking in victory. Some of us are fighting for our health, fighting to kind of prevent any disease and sickness coming because we are amongst the vulnerable. Others of us, the effects of this disease have come to take our jobs, to take our plans, to take the things that we were dreaming and hoping for and just have moved them aside. What is your battle? What is your battle? And how can God give you the courage like Joshua to find victory like Jericho? That's the question that I want to answer, is how can we be the Joshuas in our personal lives? But also, how can we prepare to be a people that are just Joshua's everywhere we go? That we take the good news and the power of God to see victories multiplied throughout our city. That we might hear like God, now shout because I've given you the city. I've given you the city to transform. I've given you this block to be different. That we could believe that and we could walk in it. As I look at this passage, there are two actions that God is going to tell us that we have to take. The courage is not just going to be downloaded to us, but that we have to do something to get it. We have to do something to walk in it to achieve the victory. And from the story of Jericho and the life of Joshua, the first action he tells us to to take is to follow the pattern of power. Follow the pattern of power. And the second action is complete obedience to God's game plan. Follow the pattern of power and complete obedience to God's game plan. So let's start by looking at what I mean by follow the pattern of power. I want to remind you of Joshua's task. Marcy talked last week about this conversation that God had with Joshua before he began. That he was chosen specifically to follow Moses. And the task before him was to defeat every nation that stood in the way of God's promises. All their enemies. So they could achieve and experience the promised land. Something that God promised to them decades prior. And the task at hand was to defeat one city after another. And it was going to be battle after battle after battle. Five years before he actually achieved the full promises of God. Some of you feel like you've been fighting for that long too. You have felt like it has been the same struggle year after year. It is the cycle battles that keep coming, and you keep hoping that this next victory will achieve the promised land. This next one, that's where the promise is going to come. I look at the story of Joshua, and what I experience is this good news that however long the battle takes, however long and however many the battles are, the promises are worth the fight. The promises are worth the fight. And here he is, given this task. And the first battle that he used to fight is that of Jericho. History tells us that Jericho was one of the strongest cities in the promised land. And so he starts with a very big battle. God leads him right to the one that seems hardest. And as he stands and looks at Jericho, he recognizes a city that is fortified in a famous way. Multiple layers of walls, walls that seem like they cannot be penetrated. And it says they are mighty men of valor. Not only are their walls and their fortresses built up, but they are mighty. 
And so Joshua 5 picks up where he has been given the task to defeat Jericho. He's set up his army. He's got them prepared. They are ready to fight on God's behalf. And he takes one last trip over to look over Jericho to kind of analyze the battle that's coming and to say, is there a strategic route that we should take? Is there a plan that should be developed? And all of a sudden, we see a similar pattern that all of God's people face to give him the courage and the power to fight for his victory. It starts with an encounter with God. That's the beginning of the pattern. That if you want to see victory in your life that is lasting, that is satisfying, that is fully joyful and peaceful, and it's not momentary that can be stripped from you, it starts with an encounter with God. Now, he doesn't know it's God. But there, as he surveys the battle, he sees a man with a sword. And we find out that he is the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua recognizes this isn't an angel. This is God himself. As theologians have studied this, they describe it as what's called a Christophany. That is a a Jesus Christ appearance in the Old Testament. A man with a sword. And this is such good news that God shows up before the fight. Because what he's trying to communicate to you and I is that you are not alone in the fight. That there is a powerful one fighting on your behalf that is actually ready to go ahead of you to win the battle. That's the beauty of why it starts with encountering God to have courage and power is because he is the most powerful one. See, Joshua could have heard I've chosen you, be strong and courageous, and like you and I said, okay, I believe in God, now it's time for me to figure it out. Because the way we tend to fight our battles is we hear, we believe in God, He's given us His power through the Holy Spirit, now I'm going to go and fight. I'm just going to go make a plan, make a strategy, and I'm going to achieve it. I think Joshua felt that way. That's why he's standing on the edge of the battle, beginning to formulate, how am I going to defeat this? Just the way you and I do when a difficulty comes up. Our tendency is not to go and encounter God. Our tendency is to make a plan. Our tendency is to try to fight this on our own, with our own intellect, with our own strength, with the experiences of the past, thinking there's a formula that's going to help us walk into victory and fight well. And this invitation is to say there is one the commander of the Lord's army that can defeat walls like Jericho in an instant, who is ready to fight on your behalf. If you want to experience the victory, the question that you have to ask is, have you gone to encounter God before the battle? Or have you run headlong in? How many of your defeats have been because you have not surrendered it to God? How many of those losses have happened as a result of you saying, I got this, God, I'll come to you when I lose. I'll come to you in crisis. He says, stop fighting alone. The commander of the Lord's army is standing ready with his sword, ready to lead the way. And the second part of that pattern is that Joshua has to join God's team. See, as he sees this commander of the Lord's army, he says, are you for me or are you against me? We often ask God that same question. 
Are you for my cause? Are you for my benefit? Are you for what I want? Are you against me? Do I have to fight against you, God, to achieve all the things that I want? Are you going to be a part of my team? And I love the answer. Jesus just says, uh, neither. I have my own plans. See, the question is not, is God for us or against us? He's already given that answer to Joshua, just like he's given that answer to you. He told Joshua, I've given you Jericho. I've given you this entire promised land. Everywhere you tread will be yours. The question is really to Joshua. Will you join God's team? Will you join his plans? See, so many of us want our victories our way or our victories with God's help instead of God's victory and God's plans for us. Many are the plans of a man's heart, the scriptures say, but it is the Lord that directs his steps. Will you follow God or will you demand that he follows your preferences? See, when the battle comes, God is not surprised that you're facing the fight. He knows what he has brought to you. And the question is, will you be a part of his victory? See, sometimes when difficulties come, we want to run from them. We want to escape them. Because somewhere we got it into our head that God wanted us to be comfortable and easy, that the peace that he promises was an easy life. And yet God said, no, I want you to be strong. I want a peace that surpasses circumstances. I want a peace that is, that is found by overcoming difficulties. And so he's not shocked. He actually brings you to the fight because he wants to show you the victory. The last piece of the pattern that you and I need to follow for the power of God and victory is to listen to God's game plan. You and I should adopt the question that Joshua asks in response. As he bows to worship, he says, what do you have to say to your servant? He says, what do you, my Lord, have to say to me, your servant? Instead of us telling God, this is what I need you to do in my life, he says, just tell me what I should do. There's a level of humility when you and I come to the place where we recognize that to encounter God first before the fight, to join his team for his victory, and then to listen to his, God's, his game plan is far better than following the game plans that we can develop. And at this point, you probably know that I am desperately missing sports because I've only talked about boxers and basketball over the time that I've been on this, so I can't miss a chance to reference Michael Jordan <laughs> in The Last Dance. See, last week in the documentaries, it talked about how he was the greatest player at his time. Everyone knew it. He had won every individual title, but no team championships. And then Phil Jackson was hired to replace Doug Collins, and he brought in the triangle offense, a new game plan. And his conversation with Jordan was very simple. You can continue to be great and win all these individual titles, or you can change and adopt a new game plan and win championships. Which do you want? I think the offer from God is very similar to you. You can continue to rely on your own strengths and win some minor successes, but wouldn't it be better if you tried to see God's victory in every area of your life? 
Maybe you've experienced a few of his promises, but have you experienced all of the promises of God that he has for you? Will you adopt his game plan? And here's what I really think that God wants to say to a few of us, is what if he hasn't given you a plan yet? What if you're facing a battle and you don't know how to go about it? You don't know how God's trying to win in your life. Well, I think there's a couple of options. Either one, you're just not seeking. You haven't even asked. You haven't even adopted the question that Joshua says of what do you, my Lord, have to say in this area of my life? But I think more than that, there tends to be this issue of maybe God didn't give you the plan for that battle because he's actually asking you to fight a different battle. There are too many of us that are wasting energy fighting battles that aren't ours. That he hasn't placed that battle specifically in front of us yet. He's placed another one. And we would rather trade battles. We'd rather look at other people's lives and say, I'd rather struggle with that issue than the one I'm facing. Because that one I feel like I have a plan to defeat. And God says, but I haven't asked you to fight that battle yet. See, Joshua knew that Jericho was just the beginning. There was going to be another city after that, all the way through until Jerusalem, until all of that land of Canaan was finally the promised land. There was a list of battles he knew he was supposed to fight, but the game plan that God gave him was not a game plan for every battle. It was for the battle that God wanted him to fight now. See, sometimes you go to God and you say, help me fight this one. And he says, I'm asking you to fight over there. And as I've prayed through this, I think there are some battles that you and I would like to trade. And I've brought up these list of battles. And sometimes when I do these very specific things, some of you feel singled out. (laughs) I'm not trying to single you out, but I do think God is. And the reason I think God wants to single you out is because he wants to say, that issue you're struggling with, I have a plan for victory there. That's why he's singling you out. Not to shame you, not to be, put it in your face, but to say, I want to win there. Will you listen to me? See, over time, I think some of us have heard about the struggles of having a child or the struggles of parenting certain children. And we've looked at that and we have said, I would trade that struggle because I just want to be married. Others of us hear that struggle of just wanting to be married and going, why do you want to be married? It's hard to have a healthy marriage. It's hard to enjoy your spouse and love and respect them well. Some of you have heard me talk about the battle with fear and they'd say, I'd love that battle with anxiety if it got me free of addictions. See, we want to trade these battles. Even with COVID-19, some of you may hear about business leaders struggling to either get the the PPP loans done or to manage their employees. And you say, man, I would love to be in that situation as opposed to just begging God for a job. We love this idea of comparison and saying, I want to trade battles. But God is not interested in trading battles he says, don't trade. He says, I'm, I'm actually trying to give you victory here. I'm actually trying to show you my power in this situation because I need you to win here because of what I have planned for you. 
See, you can't see the battles ahead. You can't see the victories and the promises that are farther ahead, but God can. And he knows if you win here, what can he do with you beyond that? See, Israel was fighting for the entire promised land. And you and I, we're fighting for the full kingdom of God. See, there's a reason that God has different battles for different people. And it's because the kingdom of God is advancing on all fronts. He's advancing in every scenario and circumstances. And so he needs to put you in that fight because that's the front line of your battle and his battle for the kingdom of God. See, right now during COVID-19, we have a delineation between who, how people are fighting. We have frontline workers, people that stock our groceries, people that fight with healthcare and doctors and nurses. And we cheer them on as we should because they are putting their lives at risk. We have categories of essential and non-essential workers. And at times we approach the kingdom of God and it's advancing with that same mentality. That there are some people that are frontline workers on the kingdom. There's some that are essential to see the advancing of the kingdom. But me, you know, I'm, I'm just, I just became a believer like two weeks ago. Or, you know, I just haven't experienced all these miracles or I haven't got to that life stage yet. And so we view ourselves as non-essential to God's kingdom. And the entire point of this series is that you have a role to play in the advancing of God's kingdom because it is no accident that he has put you in your battle space, as Marcy put it, that he has put you on this front because he can't wait to see the kingdom of God advance in that industry. He can't wait to see the kingdom of God advance and people would struggle with that issue. And he knows if he can win in your life, then you will be a part of winning in the lives of others. The kingdom of God is advancing on all fronts. And you and I, if we are going to adopt the courage of Joshua and to fight and see the victories of God invade all over our city and rebuild and restore everything that's been broken and lost after this moment, if we're going to move from quarantine to fully commissioned and see God's revival come, we have to follow the pattern of power. Because when Joshua interacts with the commander of the Lord's army, with Jesus himself, it sounds just like Moses at the burning bush. Take off your feet, you're on holy ground. Bow and worship. Just like David when he was anointed and chosen and then went to fight Goliath and said, I am fighting in the name of the Lord. And over and over and over again throughout the scriptures, see the pattern is not just to say there's a special few of people that God does this to. The problem, if you say that, is that it's all throughout the scriptures. And everyone who takes God at his word experiences the same thing. Just as Janice was saying earlier, that she experienced the filling of the power of God through the Holy Spirit when she got to the point where she chose to encounter God and say, give me your game plan. That's the route to courage, and that's the route to victory. It starts, that's the first action, to follow the pattern for power. But that's not where it ends. See, in our intellectualization of faith, we think, well, if we know the plan, that's enough. If we know what God wants to do, well, then we're good. And that knowledge means nothing without action. You know, if I studied the best way to wash the dishes and the best way to load the dishwasher and I explained to my family, man, I know exactly how it should be done. It's going it to look really great. 
And he said, that's cool. Uh, can you wash the dishes? Because the sink is full. You know, it's in the same way with God. He doesn't want you just to intellectualize your faith and know all these amazing things about him. He wants you to experience it. He wants you to experience the joy of victory to overcome every defeat. And the second action that you and I have to take is that we have to move into complete obedience to God's game plan. It's not enough just to get the playbook. It's not enough just to get the directions. We have to act on it. Jordan could have said, yes, I like the triangle, but I'm still going to do whatever I want. There wouldn't have been championships. He'd done that before. The same is true for us. We've done this whole my way thing before, and you and I know it doesn't work. And so it's time for us to move into complete obedience, because that's what Joshua had to do. So Jesus told him, here's the plan. You're going to take your army, and you're going to march it around the city once a day so they can see you. Maybe they could even scout out where your weakest links are in the military. And you're just going to play songs and then go back and do it every day for six days. On the seventh day, you're going to do it seven times, and all you're going to do is shout, and the walls will come down and there will be victory. Can you imagine him going back to his military leaders? And then going, all right, you look to Jericho, what's the plan? He's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. You know, I, I know that they're afraid of us right now, um, but all we're going to do is just march around the city. I'm, like, I'm sorry? We just prepared for 40 years and all we're going to do is march around the city? That sounds absurd. But to their credit, they obeyed it to the finest detail. The reason I had Tracy read every part of it is because I wanted you to see that every single day they were silent. Every single day they walked around and went home. Every, on the seventh day, they did it seven times, and when the exact timing of God, they shouted, and that's where they experienced the victory. God has precision in his game plans for how we are to fight and how we are to achieve victory. And he is interested in complete obedience, not compromising obedience. And you and I have this tendency to think, if I obey just like more than 50%, that's all he asks. He's like, no, I'm very detailed and specific about what I want you to do, and I'm asking you to do exactly what I want you to do. See, the battles of Joshua show us what happens when you compromise obedience. Because at Jericho, they were supposed to take everything that they gained from that and give it to God. It was a first fruits effort to say, this one, this victory is God's, and so we devote everything to him. But there was one person that said, well, maybe not everything. Like, I mean, that, I like the way that that stuff looks. Maybe I'll take some of that for myself and hide it in my tent. And then they go to fight in the battle of Ai, Ai. And what happens is it is a smaller city and they only send a few and they get completely demolished. And when Joshua turns and cries before the Lord, the Lord says, get up. The problem isn't that I wasn't with you. The problem is that you weren't with me. The problem is that you did not obey as I asked. You compromised obedience. How many of our defeats are because we didn't care about the details. How many of our losses in this life are the results of us following God just enough to satisfy our need for comfort? But we didn't have the courage 
to be completely obedient. See, God says, I've told you exactly what I want. See, obedience may be hard, but it's rarely confusing. God is pretty clear about what he wants of us. What we tend to do is translate it through our preferences so that the promises come by our power instead of depending on his. And God says, walk fully in obedience. Now, we as a church, we've seen what it looks like to just do what he says, and we've seen the victories come without compromising obedience. We've also seen what it looks like if we choose to compromise obedience. We've seen disappointments, discouragement, confusion, when we've tried to fill in the gaps of what God has called us to, or we have delayed what he's asked us to. See, there's a lot of ways to compromise obedience, but our favorite is just to delay it. Just to say, I know he wants me to do this now, you know, but what's the harm in just delaying it a few weeks? What's the harm in doing it next Sunday? What's the harm in doing it just when I feel more ready? I was reminded of this uh, this past week of our baptism service back in December. And I was telling the story to a friend of mine yesterday. And see, here at our church, as Janice mentioned, we've seen God do this miraculous work here, unlike things we've seen in years past. And we had a series of baptism services where we had planned for people to be baptized, and they gave their testimonies, and then we said, anybody that wants to can be baptized. And we saw 38 people be baptized one Sunday. The next time we did it, three people signed up, 13 people were baptized. And so it's like, okay, well, there seems to be a pattern. We should follow this. And then in December, when we had our baptism service, we had five people that had committed to doing it. And so what we do on baptisms is we don't own this space, so we set up our baptismal, and then we have a huge party afterwards because baptism is a massive celebration of how God has changed people's lives. And starting the Sunday before our baptism service was scheduled, people started to bow out and say, you know, I'm just not ready. I just need a little more time or the people that I want to be here are not going to be here. And, you know, we're not trying to force anybody into the water, but nobody had signed up. But we had said, we're going to do a baptism service. And so I just went to God and was like, uh... (laughs) I felt like this was in line with what you were asking us to do. It seems to follow the plans that you've given our church. And God said, I didn't tell you to not baptize people, like just because of what others are saying or doing. Like set up the baptismal. Call people to be baptized. (laughs) And I was like, but what if no one gets in the water? (laughs) And as we prepared for that Sunday, shared with leaders, and we just prayed. We just prayed. And then 22 people spontaneously got baptized. And I tell that story not to say, look at us, we're so courageous. But it's just to say that's a way better experience than trying to strategize and figure out what God's going to do. Than just to come to him and say, I don't get it, but I need you to lead me. And allow him to give you a game plan. See, because it helped us move from the, the mindset of delaying, because we could have just said, okay, they're not ready. Well, we don't have to do it. Let's just delay it a, a few weeks, a month. Maybe we'll see when it's going to come. Good thing we didn't wait till March, right? And instead he said, be determined. Don't delay, be determined. Be determined to follow my game plan when and how I tell you to do it. 
Because the victory that you're wanting in people's lives, the victory that you're wanting in others' lives happens not when we delay obedience, but when we determine to be completely obedient to the timing and the direction that God has asked us to go. So the question for you is very clear. What battle are you fighting? Have you come to -to face-to-face with God to say, Tell your servant the game plan. And then are you ready to do exactly as he says? Are you ready in the face of fear not to just run into problem-solving mode, but to cast your anxieties upon the Lord? Are you ready when it comes to your career to surrender and ask him, who should I meet with? Who should I talk to? Where should I apply? Are you ready in the face of addiction to say, go and receive prayer from someone that in miraculous ways you could experience inner healing and transformation? Are some of you ready just to bow the knee to the commander of the Lord's army and to say, I believe in Jesus because I'm tired of believing in myself and losing? Are you ready to stop fighting alone? Are you ready to fight alongside of the commander of the Lord's army, Jesus Christ? Because he didn't just show up occasionally in the Old Testament. He showed up fully and finally, and he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead to say, if I can conquer death, I can defeat the battle you're facing now, whatever it may be. See, the promises of God are if he did not bow to death, but now death bows to him, that every other battle can be defeated as well. This is a season of preparation for us. Part of the preparation is that every single person needs to individually choose to follow this pattern of power and to walk in complete obedience. We want to be a people that see God's revival happen. But we need to be clear that it's God's revival It's His plan for spiritual awakening in the lives of people. It's His plans of transformation by His ways and not ours. Whether it is us as a church, we will continue just to surrender our methods, surrender the way we do things so that we can adapt to the direction that He wants us to take and we will simply be determined to follow Him. But we as a church can't do that if you and I don't do it together individually coming face to face with him and saying whatever you want, whenever you want it. Tell me when to be silent and tell me when to speak because God is about to break up every ounce of your comfort on the other side of this. So enjoy the comfort now in quarantine, however you may find it, because there is a day coming where your comfort is not God's concern because his genuine desire is that you and I be strong and courageous Because just like Joshua, he's looking at you and I and saying, it's your turn. The kingdom of God is advancing on all fronts. And it begins with you fighting in the battle you're facing today. We need the commander of the Lord's army to win. Because if he will win, all it takes for us is just to worship him and to follow him. And that's all he's asking us to do today. So with that, I want to pray you'd experience the power of God where you are right now. So let's pray together. 
Father, I often just say, I don't understand what you're doing, but I know you're doing something. And God, there are a number of people that are saying the exact same thing in their individual lives. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it this way or allowing it to be done this way. But God, we, like Joshua, will come and bow and worship. And we, like Joshua, will say to you, what do you, my Lord, have to say to your servants? We want to advance your kingdom and see all of your promises in every part of our life and every part of the city. So we open ourselves up to receive your power, win our battles, achieve our victories. Make us a people that are courageous, that will fight for your victory. God, we ask this for the name and the fame of Jesus Christ to spread throughout our city and throughout the world. May it be done in every home right now, and may it be done throughout every street of this city. Please bring your healing and bring your power and bring your transformation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.